Hi, good people, and welcome to Black Women in Wellness, a podcast amplifying the voices of Black women working to create wellness in their communities. I'm your host, Rachel Heath, and today I'll be sharing with you my interview with Jana Zinzi. Jana Zinzi is a traveling storyteller documenting cultural change makers in arts, spirituality, and social justice. When she saw that most travel guides are written by and for heteronormative white folks, she worked to co-found Wander Women Travels, which is a collective of women of color and femme travelers. Jana is also an international burlesque teacher who has reached students in the UK, Canada, and Costa Rica. She has performed at the Burlesque Hall of Fame Miss Exotic World Competition in Las Vegas and is currently based in Los Angeles. I've had the chance to take a burlesque class with Jana and I can attest to the fact that she is a great encourager of body love. So in this conversation, we are going to talk about body love and some elements of body trauma. And we'll also be talking about sex and sexuality because that's often explored in the burlesque world. And just one more thing that you might want to be aware of, there is some colorful language used in this interview. So with all of that on the table, I hope that you will have a listen to my interview with Jenna and uh, our conversation about loving our bodies and about traveling as Black women. I want to start with the question I always start with, which is to have people go back a little ways. Um, The series is called Black Women in Wellness, and I'm always curious to know what a person's initial contact is with a practice that they perceive as being wellness. So what was your first experience with something that you might consider to be wellness? Um, I would say dance. I've been dancing since I was three and um so at the time as a kid you know even as like a you know tween uh angsty teenager I it was a space that I loved you know but I didn't think about it as wellness and as I've gotten older I understand it's kind of like the one through line and the one consistent thing that I've done throughout my entire life and one and it's the reason I always do it is because I miss it if I'm not dancing. Um, and so as I've gotten older, and I'd say like even particularly in quarantine, I've been really thinking about uh, routine, which is not generally my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. I really struggle, yo. But um, it really, it's important to me. It centers me and it grounds me. And so understanding how dance kind of fits into this idea of like, well, when everything around me is kind of funky or chaotic, I can always ground in my body and that I can dance. Then it, it like kind of shifts the way I think about it. It's not just like this physical exercise and keeps me fit, you know, or whatever, but it really is like a mental and emotional and a spiritual kind of connection. And I don't think I realized that probably until maybe the last few years about how how much dance is wellness, because I think a lot of, a lot of the framing is very 
about the performance aspect or like, look at me, you know, here's my IG video or whatever it is, or here am I at the club and I'm, listen, I'm like that, you know, but there's, to be able to see it, exactly, to be able to see it as wellness has really been a shift um, for me and wanting to bring other people into that um, world is kind of something that's, that's been on my brain and in my heart. I'm passionate about that. Yeah, for real. I think that, you know, we are are even seeing now like how we disconnect from our bodies so easily. And so many of us are not able to be present in our bodies for whatever reason and how much shame we kind of pile onto them. And, and, and dance is one of those liberating wellness avenues that just allows you to be present and free in your body without judgment if you're willing to open up to it. Um, Yes, so exactly. And I would just say too that um, a lot of the way that when I teach is, and it's kind of like the framework of how I approach burlesque, how I learn burlesque is like everybody's a burlesque body, right? And so a lot of times when I was in taking classes or doing dance as a you know, uh, a routine, it was about like, gotta get my choreography and you know, like I'm conditioning and this kind of very performative way. And I think that again, I would say fairly recently, I've been more about, no, like this is really most importantly about connecting to my body and honoring it, understanding how it moves. Like even during quarantine, I've been taking a lot of um, Afro-Cuban class and I had no idea until recently how much tension I hold in my shoulders, you know, like, and just certain things. I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's like years and years and years of tension that's just built up in there. So it's just this really interesting space about body awareness right now and that I really want to encourage um, folks to turn within and not just be about like, the performative aspect of it, which of course is fun and I love and I do that too, you know? You know, our bodies are shaped differently. So like one of the main things in ballet is it's always like tuck your butt under, right? And so like when you're doing first position, second position, it's like you're tucking your butt under. But it's like, listen, if you have a booty, it's only gonna tuck under butt so much, you know what I'm saying? So. Things like that is just like tuck under, tuck under. And I'm like, look, I can't tuck under no more. My booty is just where it is. <laughs> you know, so um, as a kid, and I think now there's more of a like a body awareness movement and, and body positivity and allowing young people in particular to really, to, to accept different body types in dance. But, and it's so complex and it's so magical. And I feel like it's just expanding my mind so much because of all of the different rhythms. Classes, you, for me, that's what feels like wellness because I feel like A, I'm connecting with, with ancestral knowledge. B, on, I feel like I'm able to see the connections throughout the diaspora. Like my Afro-Cuban teacher, who let me shout her out, Kathy Hernandez, absolutely incredible, amazing, brilliant. La Maestra, she is the truth. But we she'll, she'll mention how if you lift your foot up in a step, then now you're doing Palo, which is Congo. If you're too, if you're like more uh, 
you're stronger with your chest in a certain move. No, that's Franco-Haitian, you know? And so it's just like all these interesting derivatives of learning how we're all like, we're all connected. You know, there's all these kind of little distinctions between, between uh, ethnicities, cultures, music, tradition, but it's all rooted in the same. And so that feels really um, powerful to me. And it feels like something I can connect to in terms of like mental wellness, physical wellness, I'm like, oh, my ancestors did this. It don't matter what I look like, how much weight I have on, how much I don't, you know, like this is something that is being passed on. Um, and it feels like a, a responsibility, but in a really good and generative way. Um, and that's how, what I like to be able to incorporate that into burlesque. And then burlesque as wellness, I think that just kind of came out of nowhere you know like it's hard to really trace with how that became a place of wellness for me but i think again because so much of burlesque for me is about body love and loving how we move regardless of whatever is going on like just honoring our body our bellies our rolls our stretch marks or you know maybe our knees hurt or you know our neck is tight but we can still express ourselves and figure out like to your point earlier, what's the, is there trauma that we're holding in these places? And some of that is like things that have happened to us. And some of that is thoughts, you know, like thoughts about, oh, I hate my stomach. Da, da, da. Well, maybe that your stomach hurts because, you know, you're not showing it some love, you know, or just all the different ways that we hold on to trauma and thinking about how we can just express ourselves in ways that are free. Like that's wellness to me is when we just feel like no holds barred, I can be myself and express myself. Sure, and I mean, I think there's such a great breadth of modalities within dance and there's so much like diasporic dance that you can tap into, I think that can balance out, let's say you are in ballet, um, you want to kind of balance out maybe the resistance that you're being faced with there. You can take an Afro-Cuban class or you can take a salsa class or you can take a burlesque class. However, I am a bit curious because burlesque is not really associated with our diaspora. So I'm wondering what it's been like for you as a black femme person in the burlesque world. Mm. Yo, it's so amazing. I, our history in burlesque, burlesque is so dope. It is so dope. Like women of color, black women have been doing this shit since the 1890s. So I was just literally yesterday reading about, um, and I've known about her, but I'm working on a, an article. And her name is Ada Overton Walker. And she was one of the most prominent burlesque, black burlesque people from the 1890s and the early 1900s. And so this was, she was part of like the vaudeville circuit. And um, it's so fascinating because like one of the things that she's, there's two things that she's most known for. One is in the like, like 1910s or whatever, or like 1907, there was this whole craze within the white vaudeville circuit about Salome, this dance of the seven veils. And like, I guess everybody was doing that. Everybody was turned off that. So <laughs> Ada was like, that's cool. I'm gonna do my own version, remixed it, 
with like some African roots, some African flavor, her own like black African-American style and people lost their fucking minds. They were all stressed out. And she's like, whatever, y'all, we out here. Like, this is, I'm going to do this my way. And so when I read that, I always think about, that's how I approached burlesque. I was like, I'm going to do this my way. And it was really because I saw other women of color doing it their way. You know, they didn't have the perfect white aesthetic bodies, attitudes, laws, whatever that was happening in Asia and the Jim Crow laws that are happening in the United States. So, um, I mean, it just, it's like incredible. I was looking at these Asian women performers um, in the 1930s and 40s in San Francisco's Chinatown. It was called, there was this one big club called the Forbidden City, but it was like a thriving nightlife. And there were um, these gorgeous, the pictures of like these Asian women troops the costuming, they just look so fly. And so if you don't know where to look, you won't be able to find this information, you know? And like, that's, that's so much of why people don't think about burlesque as being part of like black history or part of women of colors, resistance and art history in the United States or really abroad. I mean, look at Josephine Baker, like she had to go to France, you know, and like, Part of what, why I do this work is because I love it, one, but really that like, I want us to A, be able to be in our bodies and be, and, and like love our bodies and play and explore. And then also, I just want us to know that like, we've been doing this and that this is an art form that's ours just as much as anything else, just as much as hip hop, just as much as jazz all of this stuff, like we've been there, even if the documentation doesn't always put us in the forefront. Cause most, I, most things it doesn't, you know? Most history is not yeah. written by us. <laughs> oh, I think you can say that. So <laughs> I have two kind of meandering questions I wanna ask you, but I'm gonna ask this first one. Um, and how do you do burlesque your way? For me, my way is I like to play with, when I think about it, I kind of, sometimes I really like to play with gender constructs and like racial constructs. Sometimes this is like annoying when you're trying to create work because I'm just like, I need a story. What is my story that I'm telling? You know, like, who is this character? And like, you know, I think all of us think about that. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I think the best performers are connected to their character. Let me put it that way. Um, but I don't think that everybody is always trying to have a story that they want to tell or like a political point they want to make. And also, too, part of it is that my way is like I'm learning. And I learned this when I first started doing burlesque 10 years ago. This shit is expensive. These costumes are expensive. Those rhinestones are expensive. All that shit, it is not a cheap hobby, profession, whatever you want to call it. So part of it is like, I got to work with what I got. You know what I mean? I'm not a costume designer. I can sew some things. I can be dazzled like nobody's business. I rock it with the glue gun, but that's about <laughs> the extent of my design, you know, uh, skills. 
So I'm like, okay, it's always been kind of like DIY. Like, okay, what can I kind of put together? When I lived in New York, I would always go to this store called Pretty Girl. Pretty Girl is like uh, like a rainbow or whatever. I don't know what the equivalents would be. But yo, that shit would hold me down. I'd be like, okay, I got this bodysuit, this bathing suit for five bucks. Perfect. Let me be dazzless. Bam. My costume, done. You know what I mean? Oh, I got some little hoochie shorts for $10. Let me put this applique on it. Boom. Costume done. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like now there's so much more space to do things, whatever, you know, however you want. But when I was burlesque, because we were a group of women of color who were explicitly like, we're, we're black, we're brown, we're people of color. Like we were very, we had a very like clear stance and we did some political shit. We did social shit. We did beautiful stuff. We did sexy things, but we were seen as like militant or like, you know, so when I say my way, it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm breaking conventions because I'm not always going to be super pretty. I'm not always going to be super femme. Or sometimes I might be, you know, I'm leaning into that more of like, what does it look like to be softer and slower um, in my movements and like how I show up? Yeah, I think that my way just kind of means how do I feel in the moment? What is the story that I want to share? What is it that I want folks to know and like experience and think about? And that is kind of like my way that there's really no conventions and that you know, I might wear a pretty dress here and there, but that's not, for me, it's not about just being beautiful. It's about like, what is the conversation that we're having with each other and how, how can I perhaps inspire others to just like be in, love themselves, be in their bodies and kind of be courageous with, with our expression. Hi, good people. Jumping in here with a trigger warning. In this part of the interview, we get into a conversation about sexual assault, intergenerational trauma, and sexual trauma. So if that is a triggering topic for you, skip ahead about seven minutes, let's say to the 25-minute mark, where we continue our interview talking about Black women in dance, and we'll also get into our conversation about travel. I do want to kind of transition from your role as a performer to also your role as a teacher. And I want to specifically talk about how you approach black women or women of color, because I think this applies to women of color across the board, where we come from backgrounds where our sexuality was either something dirty, something shameful, or something that was commodified for someone else's gain. And so when we think about reclaiming that, it is a terrifying space to be in. So how do you, as an instructor, approach someone who is carrying all of that into your classroom, or who may never even be able to set foot into your classroom, but really wants to kind of um, break free of that shame and those intergenerational traumas, mm-hmm. what do you say to them? What tools do you give them? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. Um, and that's one of the reasons I really love teaching. And it's one of the reasons I think I got into burlesque 
is that I was kind of shaking off my own trauma. Um, and what I'm learning too, again, like quarantine is just teaching us so much. Sometimes I'm like, okay, slow down <laughs> with these lessons, please, quarantine. But uh, what I will say is that for me, a lot of times trauma, it is. It is about like feeling that we can't express ourselves sexually, that it's not safe to, um, that we'll be judged. Um, you know, and it comes up as some folks have, um, and, and I know a lot of performers that I've worked with have had past issues with like sexual assault or, you know, abuse, different things, right? And um, as a teacher, one, I'm like candid about that. And I, a lot of times will talk about, hey y'all, and particularly too, not just with um, women of color, I also really, um, love to have non-binary folks and trans folks um, come to class because again, there's some of that same body issues and trauma and you know, external you know, ways that people look at our bodies or sexualize us or you know, the violence that kind of comes with that. And so I opened my class and just really um, try to be honest about that, you know, and that really encouraging folks to lean into their bodies, lean into the discomfort, um, and know that it's a shared experience. It was harder in the Zoom class when we were doing our, our work together. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. I taught a class in January, and um, I had such a variety of really amazing people. It was such a blessing. I really enjoyed it. And it was a four-week class? I think it was just four weeks, wow. Um, and one sister came to me, this um, Latinx sister came, and she was like, thank you so much. I'm holding on to a lot of like generational shit of, you know, respectability, basically, you know? And I think that that's a big thing too. So it's like on one end, you have folks that are, we're healing from trauma and, and getting back in our bodies and reconnecting with our bodies after trauma. But there's also the other side of the respectability and the ways that like we're sexualized different. You know, as a growing up with a black mama, African-American mom, it was like, you know, close your legs, do this, you can't have sex, this and that. Boys want to practice on you, like all these things, you know, which was, again, like that was part of what they needed to do to survive like that. And I get that, you know, but when it's passed down, the context is different. <clears throat> so... In classes, I really just try to create a space where people know that this is about exploring, that there's no judgment, that you're in an individual space. I try to build camaraderie so folks feel comfortable with each other. Um, we talk about consent and asking people, like, when we're in person, like, you know, can I touch you? Like, what is, if something is not okay, like, really making sure that folks have those conversations. Um, and also, too, a lot of times I like to start class with grounding and so that we're setting intentions of like, maybe there's things we want to release in our bodies or in our mind. And also talking about maybe there's places in our body that need love at that time. You know, for me, I'm always talking about my belly because I'm like so mean to my belly. I'm nicer now because for real burlesque makes me like, it keeps me honest. It really, it keeps me honest. Cause I'm like, girl, you can't be out here talking about 
love yourself and be kind to your body and then you're talking shit you know what i mean <laughs> like i really integrity is important to me so it, it's kind of like a great thing because it keeps me on task it like helps me check myself like girl no you know better than that you can't mm -mm. you can't write a post about this and then you're doing it to yourself you know um so yeah that's i would say you know really letting people know that they're not alone and that my class is for them as individuals is for them to explore it's not about anybody else it's about reconnecting with our bodies and and grounding in what feels good if it doesn't feel good don't do it and i think too that sometimes with trauma especially like sexual assault those things get kind of we, we disconnect from that you know or we're not as in tune with like what feels good to us as opposed to like what might what might make somebody else feel good you know like those lines can get blurred um and i think a lot of that like the lessons that we learn in burlesque class i feel like translate to our intimate partnerships and translate into like intimate spaces because we have more awareness of our bodies and what we want to you know like we know what feels good for us and it the idea is to empower us to be able to communicate that to lovers to friends to whoever yeah and i think that vulnerability that that empathy with vulnerability is so important and i think you represent that well not just as a teacher but also and how you represent yourself as a performer i have other friends who are in the burlesque field and you know they run, run the gamut and um a lot of what i see from other performers is more of this focus on creating that beautiful image and who they are as performers and oftentimes that beautiful image is this leggy white woman with, you know, beautiful hair and feathers. And so I'm wondering, you know, it's great that we have instructors out there like you who are representative of the broader woman, right? Um, but I'm wondering, what would you like to see happening in the community at large to kind of make it more approachable and accessible for people who don't fit that type of the, the leggy white woman? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is, that's kind of how I got into it, why I got into it, and why I roll with the people that I do so tight is, um, and in the last 10 years, I started burlesque 10 years ago, what's been so awesome is that, like I was telling you, we were like militant, militant, quote unquote, at the time, or like seen as like, oh, these black girls or whatever, and you know, we had a whole crew, black girls, Asian girls, and now there's so much more representation meaning there's so many black performers so many asian women latinas indigenous sisters like it has blown up in a way that i'm really excited about um and i think just by virtue of folks being there and looking different you know because again there's a lot of like um burlesque troops it's like big girls, fat girl, fat bottom burlesque, all this kind of stuff. And so folks are coming together to be like, fuck that shit. That's cool if that's what you look like. But we like, we're going to show out regardless of how big we are, how small we are. We got a flat booty. We got saggy titties, all that shit. Like there's this really like this, 
this convergence of burlesque and body positivity in ways that it hasn't been. But what I will say is that um, I had the, the honor to be in the New York Burlesque Festival in September, September or October last year. And that was like a dream. Burlesque World, you have um, this whole festival setup. Uh, there's a sister in LA, Egypt the Secret, who has won the most titles in burlesque. Black woman, bad as fuck. She got kids and she's traditional, but not. Meaning her aesthetic is black as fuck. She got all the crystals and all this other stuff. She's very, you know, she has her glam look, but shit's black. The music she uses, the way she performs, and just like her, the, her body, you know, and the dancing that she does. And so that's what's like so fascinating is that you have like this black woman who's like won all these festivals, she kills it on stage, but then like, you know, folks would be hesitant to hire her in LA because of she's too hood or whatever the fuck, like, you know, stupid shit. So anyway, I go back to New York Burlesque Festival because um, I was in it with this woman, Aquino's, incredible um, black burlesque performer. She runs the Black Sex Worker Collective as well. The old crew kind of got back together to be background dancers for her. And we danced to Cardi B's Money. Yeah. And we did actually the opening that we did was from Beyonce's Homecoming. So we like all marched in. We were like a little, you know, dance team or whatever. It was a fly. And we had these like cute little fringe outfits on. But I say this to say that the burlesque festival for that night, we were the only people of color or the only women of color in that show. I'm trying to think. We might have been the only, I don't know if there were any men of color in that show. But it was a keynote. And if it was by herself, she would have been the only black girl. We like septupled or whatever you want to call it, the amount of people of color in this show, just by virtue of her having five or six backup dancers that are all women of color. It's just like, damn, yo, this is 29, it was 2019. And I'm like, how is it still that our representation is so scarce? I know that a whole lot of people, women of color and performers of color, you know, entered or submitted for that, you know? So like, it, oh, it still on some level feels like, and I think this is what's happening with this reckoning around the world is like, representation as in you sprinkle us in is not enough anymore. You can't do that. We need to be fully integrated. It can't be like, oh, we got the one, bla we got one black girl. Oh, we got an Asian girl, we got Latina. Okay, good, we're done, look because it just is it's not it's not okay anymore it's not enough and so what i would really like to see and it is happening there's a lot of reckoning happening especially like you know as as uh this resurgence of energy around black lives matter has happened like we're seeing it in every industry that now it's like okay yeah representation is cool but who's making decisions how are you paying people do we have access to produce these things you know, all this. And so there's been these really interesting conversations and recognitions. And so I think as with all of us, we're thinking about how do we maintain this momentum so that it's not just in a moment, look, they check the box, look, we really support Black Lives Matter, we care. And then six months from now, it's still a white ass lineup, you know, like, no. So that's what I really would hope to see is that I think there's just a ways to go. And I think that that burlesque is indicative 
of, you know, it's just, it's the same as pretty much the reckoning that every artistic and like every community is going through right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, what it comes down to is like you said, it's not just sprinkling people in, it's putting people in positions to make decisions. Um, and also having that reckoning with the traditional, I mean, we're having similar conversations in the yoga community about representation and, and what that means. So, you know, we just have to, to keep pushing. And another community that's having, having that reckoning is the travel community. And so I'm, I want to transition into your work in that field because, you know, travel is a wellness practice for so many of us. Um, that first time we get outside of our hometown and we get to see ourselves through a different lens can be incredibly important to helping us to create an identity for ourselves that's more authentic. And you mm -hmm. yourself are working in that field through Wonder Woman Travel. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you started it and what you hope this um, project or um, organization will be able to do for people of color. Yes, um, thank you for that. And you know, you and I have had these conversations so much. Like I always say, Ray is my like nomadic North Star <laughs> because there is so much freedom in, you know, there's so much freedom in leaving the country as a black woman. And I can't speak for other folks of other ethnicities, but I know that travelers of color, we have a different experience, um, you know, depending on where we go, what we look like, but, <clears throat> and it's not always sweet and cute that I had with a few friends. We were having a conversation, um, my homegirl, Mina Hussein, amazing uh, communicator, um, and just like a dope, dope being in the world. Um, we were having this conversation about how we love travel, but then we go on IG and it's all like, it's, got, it's just like burlesque. I'm so beautiful. Look, I'm on the beach. I got my bikini on. I'm on a swing, I'm, you know, whatever. And I'm like, who the hell is wearing heels in August on a fucking cobblestone street in Cuba? My ass was sweating bullets. I was, <laughs> I never sweat that much in my life when I was in Cuba. And so it would just be like, you know, and I still get annoyed with this. It'll be like this really beautiful picture. And then it's like some little quote about like, be yourself and I don't know what the fuck, some trite ass quote. And I'm like, okay, so this beach could be in Bali. It could be in Mexico. It could be in California. It could be in fucking Croatia. Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you there? Like, what's the story to me? Travel is not, travel doesn't make sense. Travel to me is about connecting with other cultures. It's about being able to understand how people are living around the world. Um, what are our connections? How are we the same and how are we different? What can we learn from each other? How can I humble myself because I'm in your world, you know? And so that's kind of why Wonder Woman started because we're just like, okay, we need to like have a space where we can show what travel really looks like and that we can show the, kind of the unfiltered, unpolished, you know, um, photos. And, I, and we have beautiful photos on IG, you know what I mean? But it's not necessarily just like thirst trapping and like, you know, here I'm gonna get a lot of followers because I have a beautiful picture with no fucking substance. So um, also to that, in that vein, we are building the blog right now. I'm really excited about it, building the blog. And it's 
the idea is it's a, a radically different travel guide, right? So you're going to have some stuff about like political context. You're going to have some historical information, you know, um, and I think all of that is important to understand. When we just, when we go somewhere, we need to understand what's happening on the ground. Like we can't just insert ourselves somewhere as Americans and just be like, doo, doo, doo. and a lot of folks do that, you know, and I just think that that's disrespectful. And I, it, it to me is not, I understand why people do it, but it's not why I travel. You know, some folks are comfortable going to the resort and being waited on and some like fucking plantation shit. I'm not doing that. You know, like that's just not, that's not what travel is about or vacation is about for me. Um, and so we're also starting the Wonder Women Bazaar, which I'm excited about. So that's gonna be an online store. Uh, and um, I'm pumped about that. And the idea is to be able to have like a marketplace with artisans from around the world um, where folks can support local small businesses, local artisans, um, and really trying to get away from this like fast fashion shit and like this like American consumerism. Like even again, bringing it back to quarantine, I've been trying to declutter and stuff. And I'm like, I have so much bullshit. The things that I really love are the things that I have from my travels. And that's kind of what's been making me super happy during this time is like, you know, this, this artwork I have from Haiti or like, you know, these earrings I got from Mexico, you know, like those are the things that kind of make me feel like, ah, like there is this whole other world outside of this crazy making that's happening right here in the United States. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to see again, this is like reckoning within the travel industry. There's the Black Travel Alliance, um, you know, but I think, and this is again, I think it's just similar in across industries is that you have Black folks that have been really doing the work, excelling, really going hard, but there's a whole bunch of us underneath that. And so it's just like, I noticed that oh, people go to the, like, recognizable Black folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if motherfucker got a million followers, they don't really need no more uplift. And I'm not trying to be a hater. Like, I'm really just, you know, I'm just being honest. You know, so I'm just like, how do we, again, integrate all of us into this? Like, whether or not you have shitloads of followers. Like, there's so many amazing things. Hi, Cynthia, you're great. Um, you know, just like, how do we, again, like diversify outside of the just the main people that everybody knows. That's what I just hope to do with Wonder Women Travels, just show like the ways that normal travel looks like this, we're regular people. Yeah, we're gonna have some makeup on, we might wear a nice dress, but you know, there's, there's more to like what's happening than just the physical appearance. Absolutely. I, th I think not everyone has a drone. Not everyone's going to resort. Not everyone is bringing a photographer partner with them. And so it's nice to have some levity within the space. Um, and I think that Wonder Woman is providing that. I'm wondering how you've seen things shift as far as travel and, and travel as a wellness practice is concerned now that we've added that layer of COVID. It sucks. You know, it's, it, everybody's like itching and like, ah. And there's so much complexity to it. How do I say this? Americans, like, we just are selfish, man. Like, and I mean, again, we see that with the response of like, 
our leadership, again, I'm using air quotes in for that, we have no leadership. And so I think that that's kind of why the selfishness is just kind of bubbled up and overwhelmed because nobody, there's no kind of like rule book. It's just do whatever you want and hopefully you don't get COVID. So it's been interesting. A lot of the conversations on travel media, like where does, where's the first place you want to go when this is over? And like, how do, where are you dreaming about going? Or it's like these flashbacks of travel. And so I've been thinking about like, what kind of travel content is interesting right now? And like, yeah, I can sit and daydream about where I want to go. Like, that's fine. You know, or reminiscing on old travel experiences but it's been a challenge because I'm like, well, I'm not going to necessarily point people, go to this place or like go to this restaurant. Because sadly, I don't know if that restaurant is still going to be there. You know, like those are the kind of conversations I've been thinking about. Like, you know, how do we show up as a global community for each other, even if we're not traveling? Because the thing is, what I, why I say Americans are selfish is that we're also extractive. And that's to me what bothers me so much about like the travel energy is like this energy of like extraction you know so like we know mexico is still open like folks can go fly to you know jamaica or whatever <clears throat> americans mm -hmm. and i'm like i get that tourism is needed like tourism is a mega industry it's for mo for the most countries like tourism is a significant chunk of the money and the economy. But we, how can we still maintain that like in our own spaces? Like what are the places that we can support in our own neighborhoods, in our own block, in our own cities, in our own states without having this massive in, you know, uh, footprint and bringing COVID other places? Yeah, these people need money, but what is that impact of us just flying all over the place it's really complex because again like the economy depends so much on tourist dollars but i just really wish that there was a more responsible way for folks to think about it like who are the folks that have to work there it's going to be black and brown folks that are going to be the ones cleaning some shit you know running the like food booths you know, where are the ones that are in these essential worker positions, these service positions? So it just feels like it's just another way that like white people are extracting <laughs> from our communities. It's not just white people. And that's, that's where this gets complicated. That's because exactly you know, right. all of the travel groups I'm in are for people of color. And it, this discussion has been a hornet's nest because you got a lot of people of color, black and brown people, getting on planes and you know the justification is i'm helping the economy my covid test is negative i wore a mask i followed all the protocol but then you have to look at the moral aspect of your actions and and how that is going to impact people because you may have tested negative and been asymptomatic right you may have tested negative but you caught it on the way that's right what obligations do we have as travelers within this you know unprecedented time to police our own actions because leadership is not providing guidance right yes that's i mean i think that that's 
I've seen that a lot too, like where it's like people of color and I'm like, oh damn. And it's interesting though, because when I see black folks leaving the States, I get it more to that same point that we were talking about before, because I'm just like, yo, motherfuckers are trying to escape this crazy, like racism, <laughs> you know? And so, but that again, it's like, it's still this American mentality, right? Because it's like, oh, we're escaping racism. We're just gonna go somewhere else. But what's our footprint on the place that we're going? And that's been this big conversation in my head too, of like, if I were to go somewhere or like, you know, again, really Americans as this recording can't really go many places. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's what makes it complicated is because we are, we're still Americans, you know? And so we still have that mentality that is selfish and extractive, you know? Like, again, it's just, it's the way that we're raised, that individualism. Um, and that, you know, we do have a privilege of being able to travel, whether it's because we have money, more money than folks in other countries or whatever, like we have a level of privilege. The passport privilege is a little suspect right now, but, I think about that a lot and particularly it fucks me up with like people of color um, traveling a lot of places and being like, I'm going on vacation here. I'm going on vacation there. Like, I'm just kind of like, I get it because I want to leave and I'm like low key jealous. I'm like, I want to fucking go too. But I also know that like, there's so much that I would be putting at risk for myself and for others that it just doesn't feel like, to your point, like morally, it doesn't feel right to me. Like what are other ways that we can have some level of mutual aid or something to support these places that we wanna go to? But it just, we, we see that tourism, tourism is how this shit's spreading. These new cases in Vietnam, these new cases in Germany, all this other stuff, it's because of tourism. Spain is about to go locked down again because they opened the borders, you know? So we just know too little about COVID um, we, we don't, we're not prepared for how this disease morphs and operates. We're just really behind the eight ball. So to that effect, I, I'd love to know what, what your hope is for this travel community, you know, that we're both a part of mm -hmm. um, in the coming years, because this is not something that's going to rectify itself in a few months. This is going to take some time. But maybe in the next five years, like, what do you hope to see as someone who is trying to promote travel as a wellness practice, as mm -hmm. something that's accessible for people who, of color or marginalized people? I hope that there is more sharing of stories, meaning that the content is really about history, and as much as I was like against that, like, ah, I'm so cultured and, you know, open to all these experiences, I was still acting a whole ass fool, you know what I mean? So I just really, my hope is that there's in the landscape of things that there's more ways for us to have these. I really, I just, I want to see a real thorough examination of the impact of travel as Americans, Americans of color. I want us to be more humble when we go places. And I really want more black and brown folks to be able to leave the country. I really, really do. 
that's part of why I also, um, you know, co-founded Wander Women is because before COVID, we wanted to do some like group trips, group outings, like even, you know, it could be something as general as like, oh, we're going to all, you know, we're all in LA and we're going to go to this, the underground museum or something. Or like, you know, we had been thinking about trying to do some retreats in like Costa Rica or Mexico or, you know, different places. Um, wellness retreats, you know, and, and wellness meaning not just we're drinking green juice and we're detoxing or whatever, but that we have like a place to take ourselves outside of, again, this American construct that's so intense and giving us time to do what feels good in, for ourselves, whether it's yoga, you know, and meditation or for walks or swimming in the ocean or, you know, going to the artisan fair and like connecting with folks there or learning about the plant life you know, and the herbalism of different places. Um, and I think that there's a lot of interest in that um, in particular. And I think that like folks like you and I are kind of like beacons for people to see that it's possible to see like, you can leave the country, it's safe. And like, <laughs> it's actually gonna be amazing. Um, mm -hmm. That you can explore different places and that like, again, that that idea of the cross-cultural connecting, the intercultural connecting, that's the most important thing for me. And that's what I really hope to see travel really be about is how are we building a network of community, of love, of solidarity, understanding each other's political struggles and social struggles, understanding how they're interconnected and like trying to unthread them. You know what I mean? And trying to like, you know, disentangle all of this stuff by really having human loving experiences with folks all over the world and sharing the stories of folks all over the world. Um, because that's, I think, like how humanity is going to win and how it's going to heal is if we can really see each other and see ourselves in each other and really empathize and understand each other's stories, each other's struggles. Um, and it goes, again, it goes back to like dance where I'm like, oh, I see all the through lines of like Afro diasporic, you know, folkloric dance forms. And it's, we're all connected. I say this all the time. I'm like, oh, we country cousins. We all cousins, you know? So how do we as a travel community show up in that way um, and not be extractive and really, really honor the people and the places that we um, are in contact with? Amidst the fun, like, yeah, we gonna turn up, we gonna drink, we gonna party on the beach, whatever. But that as travelers, we really are responsible for ourselves. And I know when I was young, I was a dick. I did stupid shit. I was like- It's all about connectivity. That's like the greatest wellness that you can have is mm -hmm. to have a connection to something bigger than yourself. Yes. And, and travel and dance, I think are really great um, modalities for, for getting there. Yes. So I have one final question for you. Yeah. Um, and it is, what is a question that you wish people would ask you? Mm. So what's coming to mind is, I don't remember where I saw this on Instagram or who knows in this like social media landscape. Um, but a friend of mine asked me this and I was like, oh, thank you. In this time, I think it's important for us to ask each other, like, how is your heart today? And 
because it's like when you ask people like how are you this is like eh, you know that's a loaded question these days <laughs> you know because it's like i'm blessed you know i'm healthy i'm safe it's cool you know but i'm also fucking struggling because the world is insane um or you know i'm afraid and so just i really like the, the way that that question is framed because it's really vulnerable actually um and it kind of like cuts through the surface you know like the the niceties right and then i think it opens a path for vulnerability so you know i really appreciate the question how is your heart today you know because you can answer that in all sorts of ways and it gives you an idea of like where people really are so that's, I think I'll go with that. <laughs> and what is your answer to that question? Um, you know, calm today. I'm like, yo, July, I was angry, okay? Stressed out and angry, you know? And so this month, I'm really trying to think about what does rest mean? What does being calm mean? What is it about, like, how do I be? I'm so much like, I'm such a like generator, I gotta do this, create that, blah, 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 here, there, everywhere. And even quarantine, I'm like, if this, if you can't slow down during quarantine, then you're never gonna slow down. So why, what's this like busyness? What's all this that you have to do, do, do? Why do you have all these deadlines? Why are you so busy? What's, you're creating this. So I'm really, I have a new relationship with like this idea of yin, and I've talked about, you know, in class, we've talked about receptivity and honoring that feminine energy. That's the yin energy is the feminine and the darkness, the slow. And so I'm really just leaning into that. And so my heart is calm today because I haven't had coffee, and <laughs> which is really hard. <laughs> um, and because I'm more conscious of what a yin approach to my life looks like and allowing that to be okay. Like accepting that and honoring that and loving that this is where I'm supposed to be right now in, in stillness, which, um, you know, again, is not something that I often allow myself to experience. I understand. Well, my friend, I want to thank you for agreeing to do this interview. And are there any projects that you have coming up that you want to tell us about? Let's see. Well, I talked about the Wander Women Travels blog. That's going to be happening in the fall along with the bazaar. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I don't have any burlesque projects coming up right now, but I'm going to be teaching again in the fall. I really enjoyed that. Um, that really helped ground me during these, uh, the uprisings and like all of the uncertainty. Um, let's see, I have um, some articles coming out on one uh, co-authored on burlesque um, and one on historic LA black beaches so that uh, when folks come visit LA, they can know where the black beaches were, the places that um, our foremothers and, and ancestors would go to feel safe. I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I'm trying to take August in my yin mode, trying to lay low on social media in August, which is very exciting. Um, 
but yeah, just, you know, follow me on the, the, the internets, the interwebs, um, at Wander Women Travels, W-A-N-D-E-R-O-M-X-N Travels. It's on IG. <clears throat> and you can find me, janazinzi.com. Yeah, that's what I'm working on. Working on you. I had so much fun talking with Jenna about all of the things. Um, I love her perspective on body love. And I also loved learning a little bit of burlesque history and hearing about the amazing women of color who were pioneers in the field. And lastly, I mean, who doesn't love a good travel conversation? And there's so many great takeaways from this interview. I think the biggest one is learning to love ourselves, love our bodies, and also to be loud and proud about who we are and to do whatever we're doing our way because we're all unique and we all bring something valuable to the table and it's important that we are promoting our own gifts and also supporting the gifts of others so that's been another episode of black women in wellness i hope you all enjoyed the interview and i hope you'll be back again next sunday for another episode and as always you can find us on the web we are on ig at bwiw underscore interviews we're on facebook just look us up under black women in wellness and you can check out our black women in wellness website it's simply blackwomeninwellness.com so until we meet again good people have a great one